we've talked a lot about this in between media this season. There's going to be curveballs coming your way. Hate's a strong word. I dislike Kirk Cousins more than probably any other quarterback. Because I get a little bit of that rookie-itis, you know? I would have said, I would love to know what you're Even though I'm straight, I'm still stuck between an interpretation, what it all means. Can I make a difference or something different? My mind in prison, then I saw the vision. Played the field, it's no competition. Found success through the repetition. If it's impossible, stick to the mission. I'm just cruising through, I'm way to get it. I found myself somewhere in between. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. Hey, I found myself somewhere in between. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. Fantasy Football Podcast. So one thing that you know really sets us apart here is, is we're not afraid to talk about other things that maybe aren't super fantasy related. Do what you can to become a better person, to become a better human. All right. What's up, people of the internet? It's a Wednesday, March 24th, 2021. This is the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast, your destination for both some feel-good life advice and some lukewarm fantasy football advice as well. I'm Seth Woolcock, and you can find me on the bird at between underscore Seth FF. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Scott Reinier and Nate Polvoet. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Any day that I get to uh, chop it up with you two boys is a great day. Yeah, I'm doing great, man. Can't wait for the regular season when we do this every week. Yeah, we get that itch a little bit for sure. Um, Today is a very special day on the podcast. We're going to be chopping it up with uh, two of the hungrier kids in this industry. We'll introduce them and here in a little bit. We're also going to talk about free agency and what some of our feelings are. Uh, Nate, you kind of released a video earlier in the week that we don't want to overreact to free agency, but there is some reacting to do. I mean, yeah, we have to react. I mean, there are certain things like, okay, T.Y. Hilton. Now I'm concerned about Paris Campbell if I've got him Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden you're talking about him being wide receiver three in that offense, not wide receiver two. At best, wide wide receiver three. Um, It's March. (laughs) Like so much could happen. Like a guy could tear an ACL in camp and all of a sudden, you know, so many things can happen and I get the tendency to want to have fun with it, like make trades and overreact to things. Cause you know, Hey, this is crazy, but also like, don't talk about it, but don't go crazy with your rosters with it. I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, Jamal Williams going Detroit doesn't automatically mean Deandre Swift's, you know, worthless now. I mean, the amount of teams that have a true, just, one running back that gets all the carries, that's not a thing in the NFL anymore. So to want your favorite running back or running back on your roster to have that kind of workload, it's just, I mean, there's only a couple that are going to get that. So just calm down. We still have a draft, an actual draft, like a a real-life draft. (laughs) Right. Coming up soon, though. Excited. Yes, finally. Certainly, gentlemen. Um, We will get to free agency later in the show. We're going to break that down in some temperature check later on. But first, we want to continue our off-season session series. And to do that, we're going to welcome two very special guests to the show tonight. We have Jordan Vinek. He's 23. He's a writer for Gridiron Rating and the host of the Inside the DFS Mind podcast. Jordan, what's up, bro? 
Thanks for having me on, guys, and everything's going well. Appreciate coming on here. I mean, IBT is one of the brands that I think should be talked about more in this industry, honestly. We appreciate that. We appreciate man. that very much. <laughs> Thank you. And, and, and Jordan, uh, Jordan tonight is another fellow Florida, Florida native down there, Tyler Moss. He's the 19-year-old writer for Dynasty Nerds. Tyler, what's up, homie? What's How up? goes it, everyone? Jeez, what a time to be alive. I do not have a gallbladder anymore, and I'm here on this show. Let's <laughs> let's run it. What a time. <laughs> we appreciate both you gentlemen being here tonight. Um, Tyler, I want to start with you. I kind of just want to open the floor. Uh, tell us where our viewers can find you and your work, man. Yep, so I am uh, currently newly employed at uh, Dynasty Nerds. I'll be writing a lot of rookie-based content. I already have an article up there, one that I will mention in our free agency recap. Um, and, uh, yeah, doing a lot of rookie-based content. Excited for the draft. Oh, my goodness, I need the draft here now. That's like my, <laughs> That is my heroine. Um, so, yeah, excited for draft time. Most of my work can be found at Dynasty Nerds. I also freelance write for many different companies. If you want to know where my work is, follow my Twitter. I will put everything that I am doing on there, and I will promote it heavily. Um, so yeah, check me on to our Tyler Moss NFL. There we go. And awesome. Jordan, where can we find you, man? You can uh, find me with the uh, gridiron ratings. I have two articles on there, but my main thing will be uh, DFS, which I'm working on producing a creating a tool for it where I can actually see like my projections and stuff. And I that content will start coming on as the season gets there. And uh, you can find me at Jordan Vanek one on my Twitter. I have been working on a series for uh, people getting into DFS for baseball, hockey, basketball, football, any of the sports. It just gives you the best minds to follow in the industry, honestly. Awesome. Awesome. Excited for it, guys. I'm excited for this show. Recently here at In Between Media, we actually featured both Jordan, Tyler, and uh, Matthew Seward as well in a column uh, called Start, Sit, and Hungry Kids that I authored. And Basically, just wanted to give a quick version of Jordan and Tyler's stories. Um, they're, they're very unique gentlemen um, who are in this industry out there grinding every single day. So we talk about that a little bit in the call, and we also talk about some of the hurdles that our younger generation faces in the fantasy industry currently. So, gentlemen, I'm sure we're going to get into that later on, um, but I wanted to start with a series of questions for each of you. And starting with Jordan, um, Jordan, you grew up in Coconut Creek, Florida, down there in southern Florida. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about how it was growing up and down there? Um, it was, I mean, I loved it. Uh, I played sports pretty much my whole life. Me and my brothers were very competitive with each other and, uh, South Florida football, there's nothing like it. Um, I mean, my high school featured Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy and Riley Ridley as the receiving core there. And, uh, we never actually won a playoff game because we kept running into Devin Bush and Flanagan <laughs> high school. But uh, no, it, it's different down here. I mean, uh, my brother, while he was in high school, he faced Sony Michelle every single uh, year <laughs> at uh, Pinecrest. And uh, Sony Michelle was playing in varsity as an eighth grader. But it, it was great. Uh, sports kind of centered my life. Um, I mean, school wise, it was good. It wasn't, I, I had a good time with it. I mean, I'm fairly good with math and other sport or other things, but. Um, it, it was good, pretty much. That's about it. <laughs> awesome. And and Tyler, you kind of grew up on the other side of the state there, man, uh, up in Tampa Bay. So what was it like to grow up in Tampa Bay? <laughs> yeah, better side. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I actively pound the table for all of Twitter for Tampa sports. 
Uh, I actively pound the weather as well. Uh, it is a crisp, like, 70-some-odd degrees right now, 75. I don't know what it's like up in you guys' areas. It must not be as nice as it uh, here. So very active for weather pounding and uh, love my city. Uh, grew up just outside of it, a little too far away, I'd say, about 45 minutes. I've recently moved closer, about 15 minutes from the city. Um, it's fantastic. I, I love the atmosphere. Um, I love the teams. Um, yeah, no, it, it's it's been nice. Just like Jordan, I play baseball. Uh, well, I played sports growing up. Baseball was my go-to, about 10 years of that from the age of 3 to 13. Uh, played football for a couple years. Um, didn't really get into sports and media-based things like that until last year. Uh, started in February. First video was released February 2nd, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so I've been in the industry a while. A um, lot of uh, a lot of Tampa-based stuff, too. I, I had, When I had my own company, I was writing about the Lightning and their entire playoff journey um, through my written content. Uh, so, yeah, no, we, we, pound, we pound the table for Tampa here, and we always will. Uh, it's my banner on Twitter. Um, we love Tampa. Are you a Rays? So you're a Rays fan then, huh? I'm a city of Tampa fan is what I have to say because <laughs> mom is from mom is from Maryland. Dad's from Chicago. So I have some roots with other teams. So I have an Orioles jersey. We talked about it a little bit before. I have a Chris Davis yep. jersey. Um, it hurts on the inside a lot. <laughs> uh, we also have a number one pick called Adley Rushman who will also be on my wall eventually for jerseys I have. Um, I'm also a Cubs fan. Dad is from Chicago, so I kind of like two sad teams. Um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a trend if you didn't see the Dolphins flag behind me. Uh, so th there you go, Jordan. We both we both like the Dolphins because we're both from South Florida, right, Jordan? Nope. That is not how that works for me, buddy. We got – I mean, see, my the way I chose my team, just like a little fun story, was uh, the Panthers were playing the Jaguars, and I kept saying go cat team. My dad didn't know what I was talking about. And uh, the Panthers won, so that's it. I'm a Panthers fan. <laughs> I was almost a Jaguars fan. I almost stayed in Florida. They just couldn't win. I'm sorry. <laughs> there was a time when they could, but yeah, we're like yeah. morals, baby. <laughs> so, so Jordan, um, we talk about this in the column that anyone you could, whoever wants to read it, uh, go over to InBetweenMedia.com. You can find it there. Um, Jordan, we talked about in that column. Your story really got interesting. It seemed like after high school, you went to UCF in Orlando, majored in engineering. And this is kind of where your life kind of shifted quite a bit. Can you kind of walk us through, you know, that time in college and as far as your DFS journey, switching majors in, in school, you know, that whole journey, I think is super fascinating. I think a lot of people would benefit from that. So I thought my whole entire like high school career, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go an engineer. I'm going to be, you know, graduating with an engineering degree. So that's why I chose UCF. And when I got up there, my second it was in October, I uh, played a $2 lineup on FanDuel because I was like, oh, this contest fun. It was 104,000 people in it. I was like, yeah, this is nice. Whatever. Let's see where we can do it. And on Monday, it was a Monday, Thursday night game because they used to have big contests for that two games late. After Monday, I was in like 1700th place. And uh, I was like, ah, I could maybe win. I don't know. See how it goes. On Thursday, I went to Halloween Horror Nights and um, was in the middle of the line, just like, oh, wait, I got to check that lineup. I looked down at my phone. I'm winning 4K. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this? I'm like, what? I was like, there's no way in my head that I'm doing this. Like, I was like, oh, wow. So after that, I kind of got hooked into DFS. That's pretty much where it all started. And um, ended up 
my engineering, I, I fell out of love with it because sports started to come more important to me. And I actually decided to switch majors and um, I switched to sports management and I took a class. And in the class, uh, UCF had just fired, not fired, Scott Frost had left. Hypel came in and they were looking for recruiting interns. So I was able to go work for the recruiting department. And that gave me an idea, like, let me go into scouting. And while I'm doing this, I'm still doing DFS. I'm still doing these lineups. And it just football became more of my passion. And I realized, like, okay, I could stay in college for another two to three years and get this degree. Or um, a professor, uh, Scott Buckstein, presented the idea, why don't you go to the scouting academy? Um, scouting academy was uh, hosted by Dan Hartman. And Lewis Riddick is one of the professors. And pretty much they teach you everything there is to know from an X's and O's standpoint to what they're looking for. And they teach you how to write scouting reports. And uh, I decided, I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. I went attending the class or class um, and then COVID hit. And I was like, this, uh, this sucks. I saw pretty much the NBA shut down exactly on my birthday a year ago. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute what do I do next? Like sports could be taken away. So I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Why don't I take this DFS as a side hustle and continue working and do like a, I have started working for this company called first service residential and get a property management degree. And uh, that's where I'm currently doing. And the DFS I, I see in there that you uh, left my bad beat, which uh, pretty much the Eagles are my most hated team in DFS. It was a Christmas game. Derek Barnett was a rookie. I was in first place winning 40, 40K, and the last play of the game, doesn't matter. They're winning by nine. The Eagles, the Raiders are trying to do like a hook and ladder type play. Derek Barnett, rookie, picks up the fumble, returns it to it for a touchdown with zero seconds left on the clock, knocks me from 40K to 1,100. And it was a, I profited like 700 on the slate because so I was playing with pretty big money at the time, but that that one killed me, uh, and then they did it to me again in the Super Bowl with the Tom Brady fumble, which also hurt me. <laughs> Stay away from the Eagles. I don't trust them. <laughs> hey Jordan, Jordan, I have a follow up from something we talked about previously. Mm-hmm. I still have a spare room at my house. I would like you to fly up to Seattle. Um, you can you can pay for it, and then I'd like you to go down to Olympia and present your case about DFS to the lawmakers in my great state of Washington. <laughs> I have so much FOMO around DFS. Um, it's ridiculous because it's still illegal here. Yeah. Still, every now and then I go on and I'm like, I know it's still illegal. But I'm going <laughs> to try and create an account anyway. Maybe that'll, maybe that'll do it. And then, nope, not it's in your wild, state. So. It's wild to me that there are still places that aren't allowing it. I mean, we've got legal. I have the FanDuel Sportsbook app here. I don't have that here in Florida, sadly. Well, you guys don't have it down there. We don't have sports books, but we do have uh, fantasy. To be honest, like the way I look at gambling and the way that it, it, I feel like it should be looked at, it's like this. We're allowed to go and drink. <laughs> Drinking is a way that you get drunk, you drive, people are dying. You're not supposed to drink and drive, but you're, you can technically go purchase alcohol when you're of age and go do it. It's not good for you. People do it for fun. Gambling should be more looked at as a fun thing to do. And if, I mean, if you're bad at it, I don't recommend stay, stay away. Right. <laughs> no, don't ruin your life or because of it. It's not worth it. Some people are better than others. And it's, I mean, I, I try to produce my content to help you, but it's, it's luck. It's, we're guessing athletic performance and right. it's, it's so tough, man. 
Well, and so many things you can't account for. Like that's what scares me about doing DFS. It's like I've set some lineups that looked really, really good, <laughs> but then like yeah. all of a sudden, well, there was a week I think I had uh, Mike Evans and Tom Brady stacked. It was towards the end of the season, and Evans just like had a stinker of a game, yep. and I lost ten bucks just like that. Yeah. Plus, no, I'm a wuss. I don't like to lose money. So no, I mean, again, it's not it's not for everybody, and like. It's it. It's tough because like people like I I my biggest thing is like I have to get out of a redraft mindset as I convert to DFS, and like if you have your you know your guys and they're not performing, you have to let go in DFS. Yeah, <laughs> like, you can't just hold on to it the whole time. It's every week's different, and you got to look at it in a different aspect. But Joe Mixon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, Joe Mixon against the Jaguars won somebody a lot of money this year. <laughs> so, so Jordan, um, you know, as a 21 to 23 year old, you're you're winning a lot of money. You've you've won over 100k. You know, before you turn 23, how does someone like you spend or invest that money? Because you know, I, you know, you, you're a couple months older than me, and I I can tell you right now, if I got 100k, I wouldn't know what the hell to do with it. <laughs> so it was over a span of time, but pretty much just buy GameStop. That's it. It's only places. <laughs> I, uh, no, I um, I, I pretty much it's I paid off my uh, student loan that I had to take out. Um, I've helped out my parents and uh, when they've needed it because uh, my parents had a, we had a leaky faucet and they're gonna get a check for uh, to do the remodel, but they needed help out there. Um, I've pretty much just kept on to it. I put some money into the stock market. I've invested in like the stocks that are well known. I'm not super big into it, but Apple stuff like that. Just kind of like, all right, I trust it. I use their product. <laughs> and and Tyler, you know, you seem to really kind of you know shift in your life and and grow personally when you decided uh, your junior year of high school that you were going to dual enroll at university. So can you talk a little bit about you know? that journey and 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 since you've been in this industry how you've been able to you know just continue to work and continue to grow yeah so life completely fell apart junior year um i'm glad that it did i think a lot of people's fall apart a lot later so i'm glad my learning experience was very early we'll take it um but yeah kind of wanted to disconnect from a lot of people i felt personally were holding me back um some events that happened to cause that and it was perfect it was a great opportunity at the time I didn't see it as a great opportunity to finally escape and really start furthering myself and my future career. Um, but now looking back, I needed it. Uh, I decided almost at the end of the deadline that I would go into dual enrolling into uh, to university. Um, by doing that, I was able to uh, kind of get away from the high school life, uh, step into an environment that was new. Uh, no one really knew me. That's what I needed at the time. Mentally kind of rebuild myself and what I wanted for myself. Did that for a whole year, got ahead um, in university, which was very important because now I kind of have to slow down with how much volume I can take class-wise because I'm doing this and I DoorDash and I work at Publix and I'm all over the place. So by getting ahead like that, it's really helped me. Come last, what, last December, what, 2019 December, um, I decided, you know, I really want to podcast more. I want to find some way to get my content out there because up until then I was just doing podcasts for my league. Um, it was, it was a 10 man league and I was getting like five views on a video. And I'm like, if it, not even everyone in my league is willing to watch my videos <laughs> that talks about us. So I decided, you know, I'm going to try and, and, and get going on a podcast of some sort. Uh, I had all the equipment. 
uh, well, at least a microphone and a computer, that's enough uh, to get going for anyone. Don't ever think you need a bunch of high tech equipment to do uh, to do what we do. Um, microphone and a computer to record yourself is all you really need. So I had all that. There was a few channels I had followed, was inspired by that I'd reached out to. The channel called, uh, oh my gosh, I just blank on the name. Oh no, that's not good. The Fantasy Flock. Yeah, Fantasy Flock. Thank you. Jeez, <laughs> thanks, thanks for writing the article on me. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I eventually got in touch with him uh, about joining on for a show. Uh, got on that show. I had prepped for what felt like weeks. I probably was weeks thinking back at it. Uh, we recorded that. I thought I you know, did really, really well. He reaches out to me the next day and, and asks if I want to do a film session uh, for a completely new sister channel he wanted to start up. Um, I did that for a while. It started to wear and tear on me. He wanted a video every single day. That was his expectations at the time. That wasn't really what I could match. Um, luckily, at that point, I had started working with some other companies. I had left him, uh, worked with a company called Real Real Fantasy, um, TCK, joined both of them. There I met... Uh, gorgeous man named Lucas Kaser, um, who helped form Fantasy Stock Exchange with me and two others. Uh, did that all the way up until August when I found burnout with that and wanted to start my own company because the best thing you could do building yourself up for six months is to start all over. That's what <laughs> I wanted to do. Um, started my own writing company, did that for three months, realized, man, this is a lot to do alone. Um, was working with Notorious Fantasy while I was doing that. Stuck with him all the way up until this January. Then I decided, you know what? I just need to freelance. I think continue to build my portfolio is what I wanted. Um, I started doing that and uh, started reaching out to a lot more bigger companies. I felt with a year of experience in this industry, uh, but 100 plus videos, 20 plus articles. Um, I eventually got myself hired by Dynasty Nerds uh, just a few weeks ago. And yeah, I think every day my goal is to continue to inspire someone new. Um, I worked with a ton of new writers when I started my own company that I feel like have grown. Some have their own websites and I love them for that. I'm so proud of them. Um, and then other guys that are just starting their journey and they follow me and kind of see me as whoever kind of inspiration a 19 year old can be at, at this level in this field um, is what I try and be every day. Uh, can't take for granted what this industry has given to me. I, I posted it earlier today. I had a thousand followers. Um, I was so excited when I hit fifty. I mean, if you if you tell me you're going to hit a thousand someday, um, you know, anyone, random people are just going to want to take your advice. It means a lot to me, and, and I still feel like I have so much to give back to the industry. Yeah, man, I got to say, it's your your stories and your yours too, Jordan. It's it's pretty inspirational. I mean, you know, I'm I've gotten to a point. I mean, I'm 41, so I'm obviously. A little bit farther in life and i used to have regrets about not starting things earlier and all that kind of stuff but i've gotten to the point where i'm here now this is when i was supposed to be here you know that's kind of my outlook on it absolutely but it's just it's inspirational like two people as young as you like the part i the part i am envious of is having this fire and this want to do something you know you want to do now and i think it is inspirational to other people and not just other young people like people like me who, who might be like, oh, can't can't teach an old dog new tricks. But then you see somebody just rocking it at 19 years old. I mean, I'm a huge Dynasty Nerds fan. So anyway, and Jordan, one thing I wanted to say to you real quick again, just going to keep singling you out. I appreciate it was a while <laughs> back now. And it's just it's reminding me of it because now here we are on the podcast. Yeah. When you reached out to me, uh, we had a phone, we had a phone conversation. 
Um, when you said, Hey, I just kind of want to get my stuff out there. I want to get on a podcast and anybody watching, like, that's all it took, you know, just yeah. reach out to somebody, ask them a question. Like oh, if yeah. I was not who I was, I might've said, nah, but <laughs> Jordan and I talked for like an hour about stuff. And I was like, really? Jerry, Judy, Calvin Ridley, why isn't Riley Ridley good? And it was a great conversation. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, man. I just wanted to add that you two both are, are uh, inspirational to me. And I think a lot of people. Appreciate yeah. So I don't know that I've even told Seth this story, but uh, so there's this gym that we take our three and a half now three and a half year old son to. And this is pre pandemic before I started doing any of this stuff. And um, this dad came in with his kid wearing a dynasty nerds shirt. I'm like, I played fantasy football, but I'd never done dynasty. And I looked at the shirt. And I'm like, man, what a, that would be so cool. Like that's so cool. I went home and I looked him up on Twitter and I started following him. I was like, this is really neat. And now here I am talking to some dude who works for Dynasty Nerds. <laughs> and like, I wish I could see that dad now and be like, bro, dude, <laughs> I knew this podcast had somebody from Dynasty Nerds on last night. Like, so awesome. Like, it's really, this industry's been, it's been a wild ride. Like, and I can't imagine. And Dude, the drive that you two have is so impressive. And Seth, obviously, of course, as well. Um, but it's just incredible because I hear Scott and I are old enough to be both of your fathers, technically. <laughs> uh, next, baby. I'm not calling J- you dad, Nate. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll, do it. I'll open it. <laughs> Someday. But watching you guys do this, I wish I'd had that drive for this. But also, to be fair, there wasn't this industry really when I was. Right. Matthew Barry didn't even exist. Yeah, but he was alive. Yeah, he was alive, but he was. Yeah, he, well, he wasn't working for ESPN. TMR didn't exist. Nope, TMR did not exist. So, like, guys, it, what you two are doing is amazing and incredible, and it's awesome to have you on. I, I love hearing about this, especially for other young people. Um, there's this guy. I don't know if you guys have seen him, Hutchinson Brown. Yeah, yeah, kids. He's fourteen. He's fourteen years old, and he's putting out content, and he has this drive to do it. It's such an awesome thing to see. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and don't don't think me at nineteen doesn't have inspirations in this league. I mean, I remember when uh, I work for I work for him now. Jeez, how fun is it to say that? But uh, Jared Wackerly following me was huge. Um, He works with Dynasty Nerds. He's he's one of the big guys over there. Like we we have our inspirations. I had BDG was the company that I just loved. I think it was the reason that like uh, me and the fancy stock exchange boys, which we talk to all the time. And Lucas, I mentioned him, uh, all four of us, we, we branched from them. Like we're, we're not in this industry without these guys. Uh, and it was my goal. My, my number one goal was I wanted them to know who I was within a year, uh, three months in, I had them all following me. Like, like what, like I didn't expect that at all. Like that's, that's awesome. It's a genuine family. I posted that on Twitter when I posted that a thousand follower stuff. I built a family through this because um, I don't have a ton of local friends. I have this industry. This industry is what I go to. I Zoom with people almost every single night that I just work with, and we just talk about other life things. That's not just about sports because I genuinely built friends and family in this industry. It, it's it, this industry. I, yeah, I owe so much to it, and I'll, I'll <laughs> never give back enough to, to pay my debt. Yeah, the other the other thing that I love about it is in my day job, like the workforce population is skewing older and there's not a lot of people coming in that are younger. So you, you get concerned about that type of industry if that's happening. But what I, I mean, I love being in this industry, in this community, and it's super promising. The more 
really young, passionate, and very talented people you see coming in to kind of bolster and, and it's just going to keep it going, you know? So that's yeah. just, and you know, you two and many others, um, you know, to give a old guy like me some hope. Right. If we're 60 years old and we're the only ones doing this, I don't think anyone's going to be listening. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I appreciate your guys' stories and um, you know, really you guys give me hope for our generation. I know a lot of times, you know, we're labeled as soft and we're trying to cancel everything and, and, you know, that type of thing. Tyler, starting with you, do you have hope for our generation? Because I feel like sometimes maybe the older generations don't. Yeah. Uh, it's an active issue that I see um, is, is, is again, this, this industry is not dominated by the youth as I'd like it to be, I guess. Uh, and youth, I mean like 25 under, I know there's, there's a lot of really good young talents um, in this industry, but you know, it, it's still, a struggle for young kids to want to get started to, to want to continue again I, I mentioned having my own website i had a lot of young kids write for me every single young kid that crossed my path to say can i write for you absolutely join on uh anything that i could have done to help the younger population now i also was you know recruiting you know i don't want to make you guys see both people your age um that are uh you know Never, man. 40s just <laughs> looking for an opportunity to have some fun with it um but there's, there is an issue with young kids, and I, I know why we're kind of looked at as liabilities. Um, mm. it's, it's because they, we, we can't really be trusted to go long term. Again, I, I mean, I said it. I have three jobs, and I go to school. Now, I count this as a job. Um, so two other jobs, and, and I go to school. So it's very, very hard for kids our age to want to balance this to balance it and then to balance it at a point where they're successful enough to continue to grow. We die out very quickly because there's so much going on and so many other opportunities for young kids. Why do something that won't pay you when you can do something that will like a regular day job? I, I think that's kind of a thing for kids uh, as well that creates an issue. So, you know, I want to try and build back for this industry a way to help young kids, a way to motivate them. Obviously, I'm not going to spill uh, the beans on what I have in process of making that happen. But there are things I'm trying to do to help the young population because I know it's very, very difficult. And I want to give people that extra lift up um, to help them grow anywhere in this industry, wherever they want to go. I think is anyone can reach any potential that they set their minds to. So what can I do to help? I think that's my next project. Awesome. Awesome. And, and Jordan, what, what, what are your thoughts on, you know, our generation, really? I mean, the the biggest thing that I, like advice, I guess, and I mean, I do have hope for our generation. It's just how are, how do we present ourselves? Mm -hmm. and, and you have to come into this as you because you don't want to be like, oh, I'm the know it all. I know everything. You don't want to be the person that gloats. And I had a conversation with Dave Kluge. Uh, he was a fantasy pros. And when I first came to him about, you know, seeing how to get into this industry, he didn't respond to me. They need to respond because of the way that I presented myself with. I I realize that when I say like, you know, my DFS earnings, people can take that as, okay, this is kid playing. He's 23 years old. He's got mommy and daddy's money and he's playing the sports. I, I don't. <laughs> my mom and dad do not deposit into my account. My mom and dad have taken care of things for me, of course. But I mean, I, I started with low money and I was able to build a bankroll by doing it a smart way and obviously having great success. And like for DFS, it's a little bit hard for the younger generation to get in because we're very chaotic with our money and we're not very disciplined. I, I was lucky enough to kind of have that discipline. And I mean, 
I put in my work ethic and the reason I got in this industry was fun. If, if I get, make something more out of it, that's great. I'm going to put in as much effort as I can. Cause my dad always told me give a hundred 110% in, in everything you do. And if I'm here and I'm going to be producing stuff, I'll be giving it 110%. I mean, that's pretty much what I have. <laughs> are you implying that older generations are not chaotic with their money? <laughs> I, I would say if, like Seth said, if he had $100,000 into his account, what he would do with it would probably not be what you would do with it, Scott. Yep. <laughs> yep. I can't trust you with that money. I don't know. That's I just true. got a <laughs> point. No, we're giving it to Jen. All right. No, that's okay. That's funny you say that because I'm not allowed to touch our money. She manages everything. I'm <laughs> yeah, that's probably who does your taxes. When we, when we met, I went to Wells Fargo to cash my paychecks from the job I had and I put it into a Crown Royal bag. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, exactly. Closet. This is why we give it to Jen. All right. See, exactly. this is, yes. yeah. that's, that's the smart move. <laughs> well, Tyler, uh, Jordan, thank you so much for sharing your stories with us. Um, before we get into some fantasy football, I really quickly want to just do some rap, rapid fire Florida opinion takes. Um, kind of go through a little bit here, yeah. uh, get to know your Florida backgrounds and opinions. So I want to start it off simple. What is your favorite professional Florida sports teams? The Lightning. Oh. <laughs> I'm not a Florida sports fan, but the Dolphins, because I actually love what they're doing right now, personally. Yeah, come on. Best, best team in the league right here. Jeez, undefeated next season. Never lost. <laughs> All right. W what about Florida college sports team? Uh, um, UCF for me. <laughs> I, I'm going to say Florida. Listen, I, I stayed up. Uh, my, my parents gave me the – I know for you guys, you guys are probably like, wow, that was my glory days. But, no, in 2006, I was allowed to stay up for the national championship game uh, for the Gators when we beat Ohio State, 41-14. What a joke university. Troy Smith, who? Um, and then I also got to watch them in March beat Ohio State in the national championship games. So, gentlemen, <laughs> what's your favorite beach in Florida? Jordan, starting with you. I actually uh, Boca Raton, uh, Florida. The beach is very, very nice over there. Um, I, I basically go there every single day because that's where my job is located on Lake Boca, and that's what I, I go see and go see out the beach. <laughs> Somehow, being a, a Floridian, I actually support pools over beaches. Listen, there's no live animals. All right, uh, the water hurts less when it gets in your eyes. No sand. Um, somehow, you always have to bring a ton of stuff to the beach. Like what? Like what are we doing? Like go to a pool. A lot less messy. Uh, but if I have to give a beach, I'll go to the ones tourists are at. Uh, I don't really know. Go to a lightning game. Jeez, so much better. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last one here. What is the favorite Florida food? Easy. Easy. Oh, Jordan, you want to go? I mean, I'll, I'll oh, I mean, I got rock and roll ribs down here with a, it's a drummer from Metallica. He opened it up and it's a small spot that I absolutely love. The ribs there are the best in, in well, the state for me. The Lars has a restaurant. Wow, <laughs> Ooh, he, he just goes. He just goes. The drummer from Metallica. Like, come on. Come yeah, on. I'm yeah. not. Nice. I'm not that big in that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna say Ferg's. Uh, it is a staple in the city of St. Pete. It's the best wings in the world. If you come down here, you're not going to leave without me taking you there at least twice. Um, it's a staple. Look it up. Just go look it up. You'll be like, wow, that's a really cool, interesting place. Um, and then come down to Florida, and I'll take you. I'll pay for your wings. No, let's let's go. Let's make a date. That's an awesome. incentive. If you're going to pay for my yeah, wings, for I'm coming down. 
Absolutely. Well, Jen, Jen's handling your money, so if she comes down, maybe she can pay. Yeah, <laughs> go, go, relax, relax. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's almost enough incentive for me to actually go to Florida. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thank you for the lifestyle and life background. Uh, let's move into some fancy football with one of our favorite segments here in between media, Temperature Check. And today we're going to have a free agency edition. We're going to do some hot, medium, and mild inspired by Nate's column. Um, so we're just going to go around the room here and say if you're hot, medium, and mild, if you want to add some context to it as well to these statements, go ahead. Um, so I'm going to start with some recent news that just dropped earlier this week. Mike Davis, he signs a two-year deal in Atlanta. Uh, you know, had a He was a RB1 here last season in the Carolina system, starting with Nate. Mike Davis is a value in 2021 redrafts. Um, I'm like medium on it. I, I feel like maybe Brian – well, because Gurley's gone. We know that. I like Mike Davis. If they give him the rock, I think I'm hot on him, but I'm not sold that they're going to. I still think Brian Hill and Edo Smith have an opportunity to get some carries and maybe the majority of carries – I kind of wonder if maybe they're bringing him in as like a let's see how we do with these three guys, almost like what the Rams did last season that frustrated all of us Cam Akers owners. It's like, just give him the ball. Um, I'm afraid that that could happen in Atlanta. So I'll say medium. I'm not mild on it. He could be good. But again, we'll know more when we get into August, see how camp goes, because hopefully we'll actually get a camp this year. Yeah, I'll jump on it. Um I hate this. This makes me want to cry. Um, I need a rookie running back into that backfield now. It's ridiculous. Can I just get a rookie there? Like, make me feel happy. Like, you sent Todd Gurley there last year. Like, come on. Like, I got to believe in Brian Hill. Like, Edo really. And don't think I don't own them because I own them in a league because I went running back slim because a lot of wide receiver value is falling. So, yeah, I had Brian Hill and Edo Smith on a team. Oh, so did I. So it's ridiculous. Me too. You know, I just want a rookie going there. I want Kylan Hill going there, and I want Kylan Hill to yes. be the RB1 for the rest of eternity because he's just a GOAT. So, you know, it's ridiculous. I don't like <laughs> Mike Davis. Go somewhere else. So Go to the Jets. You're mild. you're mild then, Tyler. Go to the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Salsa right now. That's how mild I am. I would – I would go ahead and say medium. I mean, unless, until that rookie is drafted, he is the starting running back in that Crying. place. And, I mean, we're talking about for redrafts. I mean, if you're redrafting in April, you have a problem, or March. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Um, Don't Mike put Davis, it. Yeah. Because, like, Mike Davis is, is a medium as of right now. I do think they're going to get a running back, and I do think – It'll be in the early part of the draft. I think Javante Williams fits what Arthur Smith liked to do with Derrick oh. Henry. And I think he would also – like Mike Davis could help out in that. Like Mike Davis has been a journeyman running back, but he's always produced when he's gotten the top of the ball. Yeah. <laughs> he's never been bad. He's just not elite. And, like, that's fine. <laughs> right. Totally. Scott, yeah, it's your turn, I'm, buddy. I'm also a medium. I mean, for one, talk to me in early May when the draft is over. I agree, Tyler. I'm a huge Kylan Hill fan. I would love to see him. I would love to see that guy in Atlanta. But I mean, that's the thing. He's been an underrated journeyman for most of his career. You know, he's not that like sexy, exciting, blazing speed guy. Uh, he he's known to make people miss though and break some tackles. And he's he has produced. And I think the way Atlanta's probably looking at it is he's a fairly cheap option because you know they they could in their 
in their draft room know they're going to go after a running back, but it hasn't happened yet, like like Jordan said. So he's a fairly cheap, safe option that I, you know, and as far as redraft goes, if he is the guy, he I think he is capable of being three down. Um, he's not going to be the RB5, but I think based on where you could probably get him in a redraft, I think it's a mm-hmm. at this point it's a medium value. I agree right now I'm holding tight at medium, but if something doesn't happen and they don't bring in one of these uh, outstanding rookies in the draft, I mean – over a thousand yards from scrimmage this last season, uh, almost 60 receptions and eight touchdowns. Like that's solid work. And I know that, that, you know, Carolina system is obviously great for running backs and doing just that, getting them in open space. But I mean, you can't, you can't argue with those results from last year. So I agree. We'll hold medium for now and possibly hot or mild uh, moving forward. So next one here, guys, Uh, Nate, you want to take it away? You kind of touched on, on this topic a little bit here in your latest column. Yeah. Okay. So would, would you be okay with taking DeAndre Swift in the first three rounds of redraft, knowing that Jamal Williams is now in that backfield? Seth, let's start with you. Yeah. So uh, I've said this before, but there's a reason DeAndre Swift is on this podcast logo. He was one of my all in picks here last season. So I've, I've been a DeAndre Swift fan from the very beginning. Um, I'll be honest, like Nate, I know you said in your column to not overreact because he didn't see too many, uh, Williams that is, didn't see too many games where he had snap shares in the 50%, but he was still taking work away from a very viable Aaron Jones. So there is part of me that is concerned, yes. But I'm going to still say a medium here because if I can get DeAndre Swift as my RB2 somewhere in the back half of the third round, I'm still happy with that. I mean, that's fair. I think I'm a little higher on him. Um, I think that I'm, I'm hot. I don't care about Jamal Williams. I think that Deandre Swift is the man in that offense. I love that they've got a new coach. I think that, um, Jared Goff needs a running back of his caliber. Think about the year. Jared Goff was great. He had Todd Gurley and that was the season that Todd Gurley was great. They went to the super bowl. I mean, they lost, but they got there and Goff was elite and he tricked a lot of us into thinking he was elite. He could do that mm-hmm. again if they involve Swift heavily in that offense, and I think they will. I think Dan Campbell's smart enough to see that. I mean, he's a football coach, so I'm <laughs> hot on it. Uh, Jordan, what do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm hot as well on this. I mean, Swift or Campbell, I think there was a quote when he first got hired. He said he wanted to get bring in an offensive coordinator who knew how to use DeAndre Swift in a Camara-type role because that's what he sees. And, uh, I mean, Swift, the Lions don't – make me like excited i don't think there's going to be a ton of touchdowns from that offense but from that offense he's going to be the one scoring touchdowns (laughs) like he is guaranteed the role and i I think jamal williams is more of a hey i'm tired come in sub in because he does a lot of similar things to deandre swift just not at that same level awesome tyler Uh aha i am habanero on this uh as muy hot (laughs) um love it yeah, uh, I pound the table for him. I wrote a Dynasty article, uh, Dynasty Nerds article on all the rookies from last year and my projected slate for them. I looked at vacated targets. I look at uh, all the guys that were leaving, coaches change, all that. I haven't projected as my standard RB9 um, and my PPR uh, running back seven. 232 rushes projected, 47 receptions, 954 rushing yards. Just misses that a thousand, um, 398 receiving yards and 11, 11 total touchdowns. I mean, last year that that gets you right around that range of the RB7. Um, I, I genuinely believe he's going to be fantastic. I, I don't really think Jamal uh 
Williams pulls too much against we talked about the coach's change and the emphasis on trying to get him the ball. Um, and I see that happening. Adrian Peterson took over 100 carries away last year. Um, right. Close to 200. Like, it was madness. So there's a lot of vacation in this backfield for – and you may be like, well, yeah, the Lions are rebuilding. They're bad. Well, what were they doing last year? They were rebuilding. They were bad. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think there's, like, a volume that's going to now immediately go to golf in the passing game. Still think this is a run-based team. Um, and it's going to run through DeAndre Swift now instead of – Last year, we saw it run through Adrian Peterson, and then, hey, carry-on was there for a little bit. Oh, DeAndre Swift's good. Let's go back to Adrian Peterson. Like, what are, like, what are yeah. we doing? This is the year they're going to fully do it. And our RB7 to me is not – in PPR especially, where I, he's going to get 40-plus catches. I mean, right. Targets like 50 times at least. Um, you know, I, I see a very productive back at, uh, coming out of Detroit in DeAndre Swift here. All right, Scott, you get the last word. Yeah, again, um, I'm tobacco tooth, Tabasco toothpaste hot on this guy. Or tobacco toothpaste, I guess, works too. That sounds like um, it would burn. No, I'm super, I'm super high on him. I've got a couple of little personal predictions. Um, I think both his missed games from injury last year and the signing of Jamal Williams is going to make him a steal this year in drafts based on where I think he's going to what, what I think is going to happen. Last year, you know, P- Peterson was getting 13 carries a game through about week seven. Everybody was pulling their hair out, like, why aren't you giving it to Swift? But after that, starting in week eight, in the games he played, he averaged 16 touches a game. And the two games before he got hurt, the second to last game, 16 touches, 97 yards. Game before he got hurt, 21 touches, 149 yards, and a a touchdown. I think he was about to go nuts, and then he got hurt. Um, And he wasn't wasn't just dynamite that tail end of the season, and now you've got, got the Jamal Williams signing. You know, he was getting close to five targets a game all season. Um, so I agree. I think Jamal Williams is going to be to spell him. Jamal Williams is not going to be some third down back. Um, I mean, minus that one dropped game-winning touchdown. I mean, Swift is a good receiver out of the backfield. He's 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 explosive. I, I see it a little bit similar to my predictions about Miles Sanders. I think this coaching change and the talent, I think they're going to say, this is a stud. Give him the ball. Mm-hmm. Let's hope. I hope. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. Biting off some kneecaps or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of getting the ball, um, one of the biggest free agency splashes over the last couple weeks has been Kenny Galladay. Um, He signs with the New York Giants. uh, Really ropes in that bag for the wide receiver position that really kind of struggled as a whole in the NFL free agency. Nate, starting with you, um, is is Kenny Galladay a wide receiver one for you, top 12 in PPR this season? No, I don't think so. Um, oh. I'll say medium, and here's why. Jason Garrett is still the offensive coordinator in New York, and Daniel Jones is still the quarterback. I don't believe that Daniel Jones is an elite-level quarterback. It's going to. They've still got Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, who's going into his third year, Evan Ingram, that for some reason Jason Garrett still wants to throw the ball to, even though he can't catch it. I like Galladay, but I don't love Galladay. I'm probably, I mean, I'm looking at him as like a fourth round guy, fifth round mm-hmm. guy in redraft, sixth round. I mean, somewhere in there, I'm not going to jump on him. Tyler, I, it seems like you had a little bit variant of opinion there. Yeah, I, I was told uh, we are on a slight time limit here and not to just talk about Kenny Galladay for 20 minutes. So um, <laughs> it's because I'm a homer. It's not because I have genuine takes and believing in him. It's because I'm a homer. So I'll justify my opinion right now. 
um, and say Kenny Galladay. Of course, he's going to be a wide receiver one. He's fantastic. He's a beautiful man. Now, Daniel Jones concerns me, and uh, so does Jason Garrett. Um, I love him. Please be good for me. Like, don't do what you did. <laughs> Last year was just like, that wasn't nice. You know, I really believe in you. Um, in standard leagues, though, go get him. I think I think what will end up actually happening is probably be like wide receiver 10 in standard, and it'll finish like wide receiver 18 in, in PPR. Yeah. Because he doesn't touch the ball like ever, but he's explosive touchdown-wise. So, hell yeah, he's going to be a wide receiver one. Woo! Jordan? Yeah, I'm mild on him being a wide receiver one. I, I don't see it being top 12 unless he can go up and get the 12 touchdown range. I mean, he's capable of it, but that offense is – I think the Giants are going to be built to run the ball and play defense, and I think that's going to help Daniel Jones. And Kenny Galladay will have big weeks, but he won't be consistent enough week to week. And those touchdown games are going to come, and those crazy big games are going to nice. But this defense was top 10 last year, and I think, you know, the addition of Saquon Barkley with a defense that was already top 10 that they added pieces to, I I like what Dave Gettleman's doing with the Giants, and I know that guy can't draft receivers because, you know, Devin Funches and Kelvin Benjamin still hurt me, but that guy's good at drafting for defense, and he's going to make this team a run first, give the play action deep shot. And for Jason Garrett, I think he's going to use Kenny Galladay as he used as Bryant. And touchdowns, that's what it's going to come down to. I'm going to jump in so I'm not last this time. Um, <laughs> so that. I'm medium, but I'm, I'm like, I'm I'm a little bit more towards high than I am mild with Kenny Galladay. Um, I mean, I know I know the talents there. Um, for me, it's, I mean, it's, it's what's been said, you know, I, who knows what's going to happen with Daniel Jones. Is he going to figure it out? Is he not? I mean, we all have our opinions, but none of us know. But I can't, I can't bank on that, and that's what it would take for him to ascend into the top twelve. Um, but part of it for me too is just I, there's not there's there's at least twelve receivers who I am definitely ranking ahead of him. I can't get him ahead of those guys in my rankings. That's part yeah. of it too. It really isn't about you know. And I mean, people I've I've seen the like, well, you know, don't don't get too caught up in changing teams. To see Stefan Diggs last year, it's like, yeah, that happened for Stefan Diggs, but that doesn't mean it's no longer a concern ever. You know, like mm-hmm. I mean you still have to be concerned about the team change as well. And Jason Garrett um, and the the offense, as we said. So for me, it's, it's definitely possible. Like I think he could creep into the back end of the, of the top 12. Um, if everything falls right and he doesn't get hurt, but I see him more in the wide receiver, 15, 16 ish range mm-hmm. in PPR. Yeah. So I'm, I'm medium. I do like him though. And I root for him. He runs smooth routes. Yeah, so smooth, man. So smooth. That's that's Kenny B for you. Um, Scott, I agree with you, though, man. Um, I see him kind of in that wide receiver two range. And we know who Kenny Galladay is, guys. He's not someone who's going to go out and he's not going to grab you 100 receptions. He's probably going to be in somewhere that 65 to, you know, 75 reception range. And he's going to but he's going to have close to double digit touchdowns and push for over a thousand yards again. Um I'm really interested. I'm, I'm going to stay water, as a lot of people say in this industry, as we say, stay in between on this one. I, I'm going to gauge it and see what they do in preseason and training camp. If they can mix him into a little bit more of a, around the line of scrimmage receptions, then I might be more interested. But like you said, Jordan, I think it's going to be kind of a boomer bust season for Kenny Galladay. And I, I just don't know right now. I just don't know. And Scott, you made a great point as well with Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins. They shifted teams this last season. They were both wide receiver ones. Before that, in the last 10 years, wide receivers that switched teams had never finished as a wide receiver one 
besides Brandon Marshall in that one insane year with the Jets. So, you know, history will tell you it's not going to happen, but obviously there's outliers like last season, Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins. And DeAndre Hopkins. I, I pounded the table on that. I had a lot of people give me flack about how no one does it, Tyler. Don't pound the table for DeAndre. No, no, that changed. And Kenny Galladay won't do it this year, so I don't know why I'm rambling. Yep. <laughs> no, no, I feel you. And, okay, guys, last one here. Is Aaron Jones, is he a top five pick for you this season? Jordan, I'm going to start with you, man. No, he, he is not a top five pick. And the reason is, is I for P, I play mostly PPR, and I did a study this past offseason about it. Um, Devontae Adams will be in my top five for my rankings, and I can't see myself ranking Aaron Jones above Kamara, McCaffrey, Saquon, and uh, Jonathan Taylor. Those are the four that I just don't. I, I know he's in a high-powered offense. He's got Aaron Rodgers, and he's going to be in a consistent role. I have that feeling that A.J. Dillon is just going to steal too many touchdowns for me to be in, into it. Yeah. I just can't see it. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. I think A.J. Dillon, um, they took him in the second round. They're going to use him. I mean, have you have you seen his thighs? Those yeah, those you. are like oh, those are I touchdown those are touchdown machine thighs. <laughs> so I'm going to say mild on that. I think Aaron Jones gets work, but I don't think he gets the goal line work. I think that's AJ Dillon. Yeah, I have a uh, a standard finish of RB 37 for AJ <laughs> Dillon. I hate him. I hate him out of college. <laughs> if, if you scouted at all, I hate that. Like if you scouted at all last year. And you're like, man, I can't wait to get to A.J. Dillon. You're lying to yourself. He was horrible to watch. I watched a few games and then wanted to uh, to take a nap because that was a nightmare. Um, I have two guys. Oh, my gosh. Four touchdowns <laughs> I have slated as, all rushing. Uh, I only have 12 receptions for him. Um, does that mean I'll take Aaron Jones in the top five? No, because there are other people that take, like, decent wide receivers and great running backs that died yep. last year, like Saquon and McCaffrey. And if it's super flex, I don't even think I'd take him in the first round. So there you go, Aaron Jones. I still love you. You're an RB1. You're not a top five pick, though. Sorry, buddy. I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, not top five. I mean, it's, you know, I, when I was first writing this for the show sheet, I was like, no, no way. And then it was, what, RB2 a few years ago, RB5 last year? It's like, well, I don't necessarily want to bet against this guy either. But like Tyler said, last year there were two studs that were out all year. Um so I, I have him closer to the back end of the, the first round, or sorry, the RB1s, uh, like RB10-ish, kind of close to DeAndre Swift, actually. But it's a, you know, I'm not a huge A.J. Dillon fan. I mean, and yes, Nate, I've seen his thighs. I've, everybody has brought up his thighs. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what you say? Thighs do not get in the, uh, the top five running back. Yeah, you know, Tyler. Tyler prefers wings over thighs, right? Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> I'm out of here, <laughs> week, guys. Um, no, so I mean, Jamal Williams is gone, and I mean, one point back about DeAndre Swift about being a top five back. It's oddly enough, the one thing we could say in general is, can someone be a top five back with Jamal Williams on their team? And we actually have an answer to that. It's not speculation. It is a yes with Jamal Williams. But with him gone from Green Bay, um, he wasn't really a threat at the goal line to take points away from Aaron, Aaron Jones. I just I can't predict what they're going to do with A.J. Dillon. I'm still reeling from them bringing back Aaron Jones because I would assume they weren't going to. I think everybody so, did. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's tough to tell at this point, but not not top five. Um, top 12, yes, for me, but not top five. 
<laughs> so I, I'm going to be the lone dissenter here, guys, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, Scott, me, a couple of weeks back, we did our way too early redraft PPR rankings. I had Aaron Jones around six overall. And while I know compared to you guys, that's probably way too high. But I've been a guy who I, I've missed out on Aaron Jones last two seasons. And yes, I absolutely agree. The touchdowns are going to go down a little bit with A.J. Dillon threatening. However, Jamal Williams was in there. How many like end of the half, end of the game drives did we see Jamal Williams in there just dinking and dunking his way to fantasy relevance with a couple PPR points here and there? A.J. Dillon's not a guy who's going to catch passes. So I think Aaron, oh, no. Jones, Aaron Jones is going to set a career high in receptions this season. I want that. Like I, I think Aaron Jones right now is going to be like, like he's a he is just on that level of Alvin Kamara, like to the eye test. I think he is that threatening as a wide receiver. So I'm in on him as a top five guy. Like I think I definitely take McCaffrey and Dalvin and and you know probably hard pressed to not take you know Derrick Henry over him too, Alvin Kamara. But I would take him over Saquon. I, I just think the health is is a little more concerning for Saquon. So. That, that's it. That's it for me, though. I know, dude. I thought you were about to say Josh Jacobs, and I was going to take these off and walk away. <laughs> you know what? You know, Josh I, I Jacobs. I, I, you know, you're supposed to learn something new every single day, and I think I learned that I really want to get in the league with Seth. Um, <laughs> okay, so Seth, well, you're not playing DFS. We're not letting you. I'm sorry, gentlemen. We, yeah, we will see. We will see as the year comes comes along. Uh, keep this receipt. Keep this receipt, Tyler and Jordan. Uh, ch- check back with me in week 17 of 2021. You know, um, I've been told if it's on the internet, it's forever. So yes. exactly, isn't it week 18 now? Because uh, don't we have 18 uh, of the season? Still up for we, debate. Is it? Yeah, they haven't finalized it yet, okay. but yep. it's gonna it's gonna happen. I mean. Uh, Dude, fantasy football league is gonna be weird. I don't, I don't want to be playing in week seventeen for a championship. It's gonna just throw me off, right? <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure meeting you these last couple of weeks. It was a pleasure to not only write your story but now also have it on air with us. So, good luck in your ventures. Thanks for everything you guys do for the younger generation and being great role models to those uh, younger and even older than us. Uh, Scott and Nate, thank you guys as always for being my right-hand hand men here, and I'm excited Absolutely. to do it again here in two weeks. Hey, boys, just one more time for everybody who's watching, if you could just tell us real quick where we can find your content. For me, it's at uh, Gridiron Ratings, and on YouTube is just my name, Jordan Vanek, and uh, just if you want to learn about DFS, come check it out. Awesome. Tyler. Yo, Tyler Moss NFL on Twitter. Everything I do will be there. Everything I do, including new projects that we will get off the ground at some point in my life. Beautiful. (laughs) Goals. Well, gentlemen, thank you um, for Scott, Nate, and Seth. You can can find us at IBT underscore media on all the social platforms. That's www.inbetweenmedia.com. We'll be back next time, everyone. And until then, keep it in between. Yeah, I found myself somewhere in between. Fantasy Football Podcast. The one thing that you know really sets us apart here is, is we're not afraid to talk about other things that maybe aren't super fantasy related. Do what you can to become a better person, become a better human.